Hello, everyone. We would like to welcome you to the AONN Plus podcast, Role of the Oncology Navigator within the Multidisciplinary Healthcare Setting under the Domain of Coordination of Care, Care Transitions. And I'm so excited to present our esteemed panel, Jennifer Byers and Alexandra Alvarez. And what we're going to do first is just get to know our panel and a little bit about their role and how they work within the oncology navigation setting. Jennifer, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role? Sure. Thank you, Kat. My name is Jennifer Byers. I'm the executive director at Life of Cancer for the Innova Shark Cancer Institute, where I oversee a team of oncology dietitians nurse navigators, and psychosocial care providers. And so I definitely understand the importance of the multidisciplinary team. I'm an oncology social worker by training, and so have had the pleasure of working in teams since I started my career. I'm excited to talk about this because patients really benefit from all the different disciplines because there's a lot of needs when you have a cancer diagnosis. So really excited to be here with you all. Thank you, Jennifer. And Alessandra? Yes, thank you so much. So my name is Alessandra Alvarez, and I am the head and neck cancer nurse navigator, and I also work with endocrine patients as well. I have been in the navigation department for over five years, and I have been the patient navigator and the nurse navigator. So I've been in the multidisciplinary setting for the last few years. I've seen it from the non-clinical and clinical standpoint. And I'm really excited to go into this topic with the multidisciplinary clinic, all the different modalities and the millions of challenges that our patients go through and the importance of really being there for them and identifying barriers. So I'm really excited to be here. Well, thank you both. And my name is Kim Parham, and I'm going to be moderating. And I'm a nurse by training, starting in breast health and then became a cancer program director for a system-wide program. We started then specialty clinics for lung, GI, GYN, brain, in addition to our mature breast program. So I got to do a lot of different hats within the oncology navigation team, and then left and went to work for the GoTo Foundation for Lung Cancer. And now I'm at Think Health and get to work with different navigators throughout the setting of early diagnosis. So it's interesting how our roles can change, but how navigators play a role anywhere within the continuum of care. So this is a really great topic here because the value of a multidisciplinary team and all that each of those members bring is very crucial. And sometimes there could be a little bit of scope creep as patients go through the flow and see different specialists. But Tell me about your multidisciplinary team and how that works in a tumor board setting and and how your teams work together. When I heard how multidisciplinary, a lot of places, they kind of base it off the tumor board happening, the actual conference discussing the patient's. But at least for us, multidisciplinary, I want to say it even starts from the moment that the patient gets admitted. I work in the outpatient setting, but that communication coming from the surgeons, you know, hey, this patient is here. 
they're inpatient. We just did a biopsy. They're about to get diagnosed and we're going to need to see them in the outpatient setting. So the communication really starts at the point that they're inpatient or that they've been newly diagnosed or they're about to get diagnosed from the surgical standpoint. So as soon as I get that notification, whether it's from scheduling that I see they're going to be seen here or the actual surgeons call me, the PAs as well, like, hey, we have somebody coming in, that heads up is crucial because I'm already able to go and look into the patient's chart, what's going on, how's their insurance, do they have support, are there language barriers, and all the investigation begins there. And that's what brings them aboard. So a lot of the time, the digging in to see what's going on with this patient begins much more before tumor board conference, which we have one time a week. And specifically in our clinic, I mean, we're so busy now. We used to have a set day for multi-D clinic. And now we have two days because it's a mix between like skin and head and neck cancers. So once a patient gets their biopsy and it's a positive diagnosis, then we start looking in and it's like, okay, the surgeon says they need to get scheduled. They need to see radiation and medical oncology. Depending on the type of case, I'm already getting social work involved making sure that the insurance that they have, do they have a PCP? I mean, there's just so many components that, of course, the doctors are more focused on their treatment. But myself, as a nurse navigator, I'm looking at the whole piece, not just are they symptomatic? I'm looking at transportation. Where do they live? And I'm able to get all of these pieces before they even get to the outpatient study. And this also has a lot to do with our intake nurses. It's great. I'm not sure if other cancer centers have them, but we do. And it's so helpful because it gives that background. So we kind of prepare ahead of time what's to come. Alessandra, that is wonderful. You're seeing patients, identifying the barriers, and then at tumor board or when the physicians are coming together, are you able to be that voice for the patient? And help change sometimes their treatment decisions based on identified barriers. Yes, absolutely. So before I even go see the patient, since the surgeons are the ones that are really letting me know ahead of time, like, hey, they're coming in right before a multidisciplinary visit, I get in contact with a medical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, with the nurse practitioners. And it's more of like a, hey, heads up. We have this patient coming in. They're coming this afternoon. I've already seen that they live really far from here and there's no transportation that's offered from that point. So we have to be mindful. Who else do they have for support? Do they even have support? I think that the communication between the providers and myself, it impacts so much getting through the continuum of care because they know that I'm able to identify these barriers ahead of time and we're able to move the patient faster rather than waiting, you know, oh, okay, they're already here, but they have these financial barriers because they're using out-of-network benefits. They don't have a dentist. So we already know that it's going to be a delay for them to start radiation. So the communication with the providers prior to meeting the patient is also really important because again, it's always working with anticipation. So we like to kind of round 
together right before we go in. And so then by then I go meet the patient. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm your liaison. I am your point of contact. I am the person that is between you and all the providers. And I'm going to be with you from beginning to end. You're going to meet X, Y, and Z. And then we're going to go from there. I'm going to stay in the visit. I'm going to hear the plan of care, what it is that they're going to recommend. And we'll go from there. And like a lot of times, especially with head and neck cancer, we need to get PET scans done. And I can know right off the bat, if they're inpatient and there's going to be insurance barriers and whatnot, specific locations already do the PET scans there. Let's knock that out before they even get to the outpatient setting, because then we run the risk. Do they have a PCP? Will we be able to obtain authorization? So all those things, it's really working with anticipation. And that's why they trust me to walk with a patient hand in hand from beginning to end, because it's a constant communication between all of us together so the patient doesn't get lost in transit. I love that. All the anticipatory guidance and plan. That's wonderful. Jennifer, do you have a story that you can share about your multidisciplinary team? Well, I was just thinking when Alessandra was talking about the importance of the stress screening or screening for social determinants of health. And we really utilize those tools to figure out who on the team needs to meet the patient at what point in their care. And so this idea of thinking ahead or getting someone along the continuum of care, the needs may be different depending on where they are in their journey. So day one, they may need help with transportation. Day two, they may need help understanding their diagnosis. Day three, they may need to figure out childcare. So just really screening and making sure that whether it's a nurse navigator, a social worker, a patient navigator, getting the right person to the patient at the right time is so important, which is why I think all of these players are important. And you were talking a little bit about tumor boards. We've been trying to make sure that the tumor board isn't just medical information, but it's psychosocial information, it's social information, logistical information, even to the extent that we've been trying to get pictures of patients and put them up and make sure that when we're talking about a patient, we're telling their whole story, not just their tumor type. And I think that's really been helpful for everyone in the room that, you know, takes the background of the multidisciplinary team to make sure that we have all that information and it's collected. I absolutely love the idea of having the patient there while you're discussing them. That's brilliant. Can I ask who, and it may be different for the different tumor types, if you have the dedicated tumor boards, who usually attends the tumor boards within the allied health team versus the physician specialist? Or do they usually attend like for someone for physical therapy or social worker or financial navigator? Yeah, our allied health professionals are really involved. So there's usually a social worker there. We also have oncology counselors, so that may be a social worker that targets more mental health needs and those logistical social needs, as well as sometimes physical therapy, depending on the diagnosis, dietitians. I'm trying to think of all the people in the room. It's, you know, it's a big group of people, but definitely it's not just our medical providers, really our allied health providers are involved as well. What about you, Alessandra, who usually attends your multidisciplinary tumor boards? So for head and neck, 
it's a big, big group. And it's just like Jennifer was saying, it's not just the doctors that are going to be doing the treatment. It's everybody. It's physical therapy. It's the speech language pathologist. You have social work involved. It's a lot of people, but we were seeing that we only have an hour for them to discuss a few cases. Some of them can take up a lot of time. So I suggested to our radiation oncologist and a few other team players, hey, I think that we should start discussing maybe after tumor board as soon as it's over. I mean, now we're doing it on Zoom because of COVID, but prior we were in, in a big conference room and I was like, you know, I think it's important that we have what we call run the list. And now we're doing it every Friday, aside from tumor board, where we discuss the patients that are going to be seen, that are about to start treatment, what's pending, what's missing. And it's been amazing because we didn't have that before. It was just strictly pathologists and like the slides and pictures and what do you think? Okay. But it kind of gave the opportunity to discuss the patient as a whole, because the doctors can recommend all these things, but do they have the money? Are they even covered by insurance? And can they even get here for six and a half weeks of daily treatment? So many different pieces. And then we started doing that where we were including, you know, the palliative care team for pain management. We had social work. Again, we had nutritionist, dietitian, speech language pathology, everything. We had everybody and everything involved. And it was great because it kept us all on the same page. So it was like, hey, this patient has been trying to see pain management, but there's no availability. What can we do? And you have the doctor right there like, hey, don't worry, I'll go ahead and accommodate. Send me an email and everything there at once has been amazing. And now we've kept it as a thing that we do every Friday for, I want to say maybe like three years now already. Could you all tell a story of a patient experience of how your role complemented the others in the allied health team, not just the physicians in directing care, but maybe those that there could be some scope creep on? I was thinking about a story. You know, we had a young mom who was diagnosed with breast cancer. And what the team heard was that she didn't want to do treatment, that she wasn't interested in treatment. And when one of the social workers sat down with her to do a psychosocial assessment, what they found out was that she didn't have childcare. And what she couldn't quite figure out was how she could come in for treatment and who would take care of her daughter at home. And so that social worker worked with the nurse navigator to help the patient really understand how important the treatment was and the care was that she needed and that she wouldn't be able to be there for her daughter if she didn't get that treatment. And then the social worker worked to identify resources in the community that could help care for her child and make sure that she could get to treatment. And them working together created kind of this beautiful synergy for the patient to feel really both cared for, to feel comfortable talking about what her needs were. Both of them had, you know, unique skills and pieces that they could give to the patient to help her along the care journey. And then, you know, working together, they could give a better understanding to the medical team about what was going on with the patient. And so instead of becoming non-compliant, you know, she was a good mother who wanted to take care of her daughter. And so the way that people were talking about the patient shifted and changed. And all of that was really important in making sure that the patient got really good care. 
that's an example of where people were really talking well together and meeting the patient needs. But I do see when we have our nurse navigators, our patient navigators, our social workers all working together, and they're all so skilled that sometimes people can step on toes or people can do the work that feels like it may be another person's job. But I think all of us know that in healthcare, we're so short-staffed, there's enough work for everyone. And so really over-communicating and figuring out who's going to take what pieces can help make sure that things are streamlined and there's not too much redundancy, but that patient needs are, are getting met when they need to get met. Wow, that's great. Thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. Alessandra, do you have a patient experience that you would like to share? Oh, yeah, I have. I have so many. And again, they're all very positive because of that communication that we have with each other. We're a very, very cohesive team constantly. Again, I think that we're all always working with that sense of urgency. And I myself, I'm always working with anticipation, like what could happen. So I have this patient that he lives in the Keys. He's legally blind. He doesn't have any family support. He had one daughter, but she lived in another state. And he was actually a recurrence. He had another primary site a couple of years back. And he was admitted in the hospital where he had his biopsy. And right off the bat, I saw where it was that he lived. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, we're not going to have transportation if he is going to need chemo and radiation for the full six and a half weeks. I'm already involving social work because I'm thinking maybe we can get him lodging. But then the part of where he's legally blind, there's nobody with him. Would it even be okay for this patient to be in a hotel by himself where he usually has somebody with him? So it was a lot of overlapping of roles. But I think that since we all really are going for the same goal, we just want this patient to get his treatment. We're going to find a way. I work very closely with the social worker. So the nurse navigators, we also help with a distress screening and we see if it's something that definitely needs to get evaluated by social work, then they'll go ahead and chime in and refer off if they need to see psychiatrists, psychology. It just depends. And then lodging also, it's one of those things that between the nurse navigator, the patient navigator and the social work, a lot of things overlap. So she was helping me see what were the options with lodging, seeing his psychosocial needs, you know, how was he feeling about his diagnosis and not having anybody here with him or even staying in a hotel? Like, how would he feel about that? It it was just a lot of different pieces. And the doctors were so grateful because there was no way that they were going to be able to tackle that on their own. And the fact that we were all working together, even with the radiation therapist, the patient did end up starting treatment. We actually got him into an Airbnb where the host, she lived there and she would make the food and it was an amazing outcome. The radiation therapist, I was able to communicate with them like, Hey, you know, don't make his treatments too early because he's on blood thinners. He's weak. He's tired. And everyone was just working together. If I was not there at work, 
I would have the patient navigator set up the transportation if he needed it. If somebody was there on site and I was working remotely, the patient navigator would go and find the patient, make sure that he gets to his lift ride or, or whatever he was using that day. So it's a lot of overlapping of roles, but I'm thankful that it's never been one of those like, hey, that's not my job. Jennifer had mentioned like there is short staff everywhere. And so working together has been great because it's just way too many moving pieces and there's not enough of us to do it, but we're getting by with the constant communication of what the patient's needs are. And I think between social work and nurse navigator or patient navigator, we are the point of contact. And as long as we're constantly addressing those needs and giving the heads up or an FYI, then it just makes things move smoothly. That's wonderful. I would like to ask you all for your nuggets of wisdom that you may have in communicating and working within your multidisciplinary team, especially as navigators across the care continuum. What are those words of wisdom that you may want to share with navigators out there? I mean, anytime we're working in a team, I think it's important to remember to assume positive intent. I think like Alessandra mentioned, we're all trying to do what's best for the patient. So keeping that in the front of our minds can make it a lot easier to work in a team. And then this idea of communication, you know, communicating what we need as human beings, like to take care of ourselves, working in stressful environments, and also what patients need can be in a really important piece to making sure that everyone is working well together. I think sometimes in healthcare, we get so busy that there's not a lot of time to check in with one another or ask how someone's weekend was or what's going on. And so taking that time to get to know people personally and check in on them who they are makes it so much easier to show up for our patients and be our best selves when we're showing up for them. These aren't big life-changing things. I think a lot of us know them, but it's easy to get caught up and kind of moving to the next thing that really slowing down sometimes can make our work go a lot faster. Alexandra, do you have anything? Words of wisdom? Yes, definitely what Jennifer said. I think it's really easy, especially nowadays, you know, with everywhere being short-staffed, it's just a challenge. It's important to realize what are system barriers, which we know do not get fixed overnight versus the things that you can change in the patient's life and how you're going to impact them and not overstress yourself, especially when new providers come on board, they don't know what you do. So they see you do something. And then it's kind of like trying to separate what you do, what you can do, where you can redirect things to, because you can become easily overwhelmed. There's always that gray area. Yeah, I'm not really responsible for this, but I also don't want to leave it unattended. You can't pour from an empty cup. So it's just making sure that you prioritize. Like, for example, I know tomorrow I have a crazy busy day because, you know, we have multidisciplinary clinic and we actually have our head and neck symposium after work. But I like to also tell anybody that's coming on board, whether it's a nurse navigator, whether it's a new provider, new APP, like, hey, you know, we are going to come across challenges. These are things that could happen. My job is just to make sure 
that things move and they move smoothly. And when things don't move smoothly, don't worry. We're going to figure it out because at the end of the day, we're here for the patient. But there are some things, again, like system barriers, we can't change those overnight. But these are our options. This is what we can do. And as long as a patient sees that we all trust each other, I mean, it's honestly beautiful. And I love our multidisciplinary clinic. It'll be me and the three doctors. And, you know, we laugh by the end of the consult because they're like, hey, this is a person. If we, you can't reach us here, call her. She is the middleman. And, and there's always solutions to everything. And the most important thing is to make sure that prioritization not leave anything pending, but know what needs more attention first and keeping that communication within the team. That could not be said any better. So on behalf of AONN Plus, I would like to thank both of you all for participating for this podcast. And we invite you to become involved in AONN Plus if you're not already. We have committees and other opportunities for you to take advantage of, just check out the website and we would love to have you become part of our community. Thank you.